G'day, thanks for checking out our year-round carnival podcast. Each Monday, we look back on the best racing anywhere in Australia. In this case, Randwick, Ascot dominated. We'll have a bit of a look at Sandown as well. But first off, the gun. He got there. Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. And after Kerwin's Lane 1, audio of ACDC, the gun, and of course, Darren Flindell's fantastic call of the big money Ingham, Vince Accardi from Daily Sexuals. Good morning, mate. Hey, good morning, Rolfie. Oh, what a torturous caper this is. <laughs> what a torturous caper this is. Our preview podcast Sunday, you spent, I reckon, three minutes talking about Lions Raw because you didn't get around to it on, on Friday. <laughs> you had a tissue on top. Yeah, on Friday, you spoke about Arameo and other Bolter. Second, third, fourth, where was Kerwin's Lane? Oh, my goodness. Well, he was always he was always a fringe player. It's just one of those things. <laughs> you can't have them all. But you it, can't? No, it was no surprise. When I seen the horseman, I go, oh, well, yeah, it, it was capable of winning, and, and there it was. <laughs> Well, and and what a, for those who didn't get your race speed profiles, so you put a, a top eight in your totem poles, a top yes. eight. To, I'm just looking at here, yeah. Six it could be. So, so this is when you know we're all smart afterwards and everything. But a tissue, Arameo, Riadini, brutality, Jarman, Lions Raw, Kerwin's Lane. <laughs> the, mm. the, so the first four would it pay 150,000 or something in New South Wales? Four hundred thousand in Sydney. What's that? Paid four hundred and something. Four yeah. was it? Yeah. Oh, for the first four, yeah. For the first four, yeah, exactly. So, dear me. So, <laughs> I didn't get any of it. So I know someone apparently got a percentage. I said, but it wasn't me. <laughs> no, wasn't you? No, fair enough too. Um, but um, but look, it was a high pressure race that was uh, on the cards. I'm going to say personally, uh, a tissue was a little bit of torture for me. At least I've, I've learned from your events. Keep the place on side. So it was a. <laughs> well, that's. <laughs> It was a winning day, but we'll get to the other one too, which was a complete torture. But uh, it was a uh, it could have been could have could have could have been huge. Uh, talk us through the uh, the setup of uh, of the Ingham because it looked like it was a high pressure race. It really was a high pressure race, Ralphie. When you look at it, there it is. I, I mean, Wild Planet seven point three. Like I was like when I was watching the race, I go, "Geez, Real Dean, he couldn't wasn't leading, but there it was. It's gone plus six point three. So. The pressure was huge, but it was relentless. That yep. was the big thing. Even in the mid-race, it was high pressure. I mean, Wild Planet was 7.3 above 
IBR benchmark for the first half of the race. And then between the eight and the 400, it's still traveling four and a half above that. We haven't, you know, I haven't seen a real lot of that over the last sort of six to nine months. Of course, in Sydney, because of the, the weather's been, you know, had been so difficult to be able to put, you know, real pressure race. But that is a genuine high, what I would consider, you know, when people just talk about high pressure group one races, that's what this was. It was just murderous. I mean, Kerwin's Lane, 4.9 above first section, increased its pace between the eight and the four to plus 5.1. Now, that's the power of being able to be in that zone, three to six lengths. Just saving that little bit of energy actually gave you the capacity to even increase your pace. And then even the last 400 was still above benchmark. Very difficult for horses to be able to run above benchmark when they've gone through the first half of the race or first two-thirds of the race, like, plus 10. And it's funny you, you mentioned about the uh, how difficult it's been to run time in Sydney during 2022 with the horrendous wet weather. I mean, as you said that, I'm having a flashback to, like, the Doncasters and, you know, the, the raw times were probably minus 20, minus 30 at times, and you would adjust it up. Here's the reversal. What was the raw time compared to what you've ended up adjusting it to? Well, there it is. Plus 10.3 was the overall raw time. and so Based on what? Uh, well, we've got 1,200, 1200 races here. We're yep. over a mile. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that, that's like it's massive, Rolfie. Yep. So we have to downgrade virtually seven lengths. I mean, when you look at the track speed, just on the auto algorithm, it was like plus, it was plus 2.4, and then there was a further 5.4 lengths of, of adjustments. So that just gives you the insight on how far. That was a fast track. Yeah. Full stop. I mean, yep. I know they're not going to put that up, but that's what it was. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So can I, can I break this down a bit more that that actually, as hard as it is to to maintain at that pace for Kerwin's Lane, it was probably ideal that he was in that stalking pack because a horse like Lion's Raw, a tissue that I was barking for, is that you can only accelerate so much if you're already going fast. Really, that's so true, Ralphie. I mean, even when you look at a tissue was like really on the borderline or seven lengths off that lead pack, it definitely didn't want to be any further back than that. Yep. As you can see, say, look, look look, at a horse like Skylab who was like going 1.4 below, no chance because when you have this high movement in the mid-race, there's only so much any horse can produce. And that's when you really start to get the big fatigue, when you have that big middle section and that's probably one of the main reasons why that if you weren't in that zone typically three to six lengths you had no chance of really winning the reason you gave lines raw a push was historical that um that you know he was a real talent as a three-year-old sort of lost his way there for a little bit but he, he showed you enough in his lead-in run to say no but be, be careful riding off this horse that was the race behind Dajan and when he, his last 400 was plus 6.8 um clearly as I said, he missed 378 days. But John O'Shea is probably the horse I want to take out of this when it comes to Group 1s going forward because we know he's established. He's had time off, and to be able to do this says that uh, maybe he's knocking on the door of uh, being an elite performer again. Yeah, and what was he, $12 plus a place? <laughs> well, I see, they're officially 61 into 51. Yeah, yeah. So, like, just goes to show how how big, how much that horse was over. But... As we discussed, Ralphie, there was a lot of clear signals that was giving the indication this horse was going a lot better than the two duckheads, right? Yeah. 
And the, uh, the race yep. overscored for you, 2.3 was your prediction going in. And so, you know, um, as I said, I was barracking for a tissue. Uh, it's produced 3.3. Probably can't do much more in a mile, can it? Nah, this, that, that, that's it. That's the thing. This was like real high pressure. And most horses have run right up to where they could run or even potentially may have extended themselves. And Kerwood's line was just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, couple out the back worth mentioning, I reckon, and yes. I'll, I'll start with Huerta. Uh, this is what you said on Friday, so no no hindsight here, but you just said under a high-pressure situation at the mile, it's just going to be too hard for him to tack on and keep going. And this is what's happened. I mean, the horse has got a little bit further back than ideal on this race shape, and you've got big extension in the mid-race. Mind you, the last 400 of the horse was fantastic. I mean, yep. Plus 3.7, you look at it, and you say, that's a pretty solid close. You look at the last 200 metres, plus 2.4. It's pretty tough to do that, even when you're running benchmark, right? Because that's a real test for me. When a horse is racing virtually even speed or benchmark, and then you can actually increase your pace and then maximise your efficiency over the last 800 metres, that, you know, is a sign that the horse is going fantastic, right? Because usually when they do those type of closes, roughly, they're going like four lengths, six lengths, eight lengths below benchmark. Yeah. And this horse is doing it virtually at even speed. So a lot to like about that run. I mean, here's a perfect example, Ralphie. Like, you see a horse like Sunshine Rising. You look at you look at its splits and you say, okay, but that horse is going 4.8 lengths below benchmark, like four and a half lengths slower than Huerta. Yet in the mid race, like when we talk about above benchmark, it was one only one point three higher, and of course it's entitled to be uh, very strong over the last four hundred meters, which it was. It was had the biggest finish over the last four hundred meters, only because you're absolutely doing nothing, but you also got no chance when you're that far back. Yeah, and uh, so it wouldn't surprise if there's a couple that that really improve out of this. Maybe like a Bartholomew Diaz. Um, Polly Gray going too fast under this race shape for her. And like if she gets a, a wet track, slow tempo 2000 going forward, she, she's the type who could improve from being right out the back. Ralph, are you predicting wet tracks, my friend? Are oh, Sydney, never. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in Tasmania. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure too. Uh, a couple of other little highlights there from Ramwick. Uh, it, it didn't look like there was a lot of depth to the meeting there, but Sky Commands won the razor sharp, just a case of an informed mare in the right spot. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, the the race shape panned out superbly for the horse, 2.1 lengths below benchmark, leading at that speed. Again, good move in the mid-race between the 8 and the 400. You can see the squeeze there, Ralph. It was plus 5.8 was the mid-race move, 3.6 lengths above benchmark. I love the fact that the horse actually increased the pace over the overall last 400 as well, doing a 4.2 and giving that indication that it come right to its top. Race nine, this is interesting because you were very keen. You were hoping there were scratchings to put Nugget into the field on, on, on the Friday when we did the podcast because at the time he was second emergency for the Ingham. Uh, you just said he hasn't just got the foundation yet to run uh, to to his to a, a potential winning performance in the in the Ingham. You were keen to oppose him, so he misses the run. He wins race nine narrowly, uh, even though it's a, a pretty deep favourite, but. So two questions here. I would say confidently look at your figures. He wouldn't possibly have won the Ingham, but it's a good foundation to leap forward again. It is a good foundation, and you're 100% right. Even if you didn't have the figures and you just watched the way the horse ran, yep. he it would have – well, <laughs> the numbers are there, Ralphie. It wouldn't have been finishing in the first six 
Yep. Well, yeah, where would he have finished? He would have finished, yeah, probably eighth or ninth. And that that was probably a true reflection of where he was probably at at that time. But in this race, still, I go a lot of merit for the horse. 1.8 above benchmark first section. So that's that's a good spot between the eight and the 400. Again, very good move going 3.6 above. That, that was like right on the standard for the day. And and you could, a lot of merit to the horse. It was hard to reel in the, the leader. That's travelling 2.4 lengths above benchmark last 400. And why I say it's hard to reel in the, the leader is when you're running every section above benchmark, it's just tough to just get past horses. And, of course, where you are positioned on the grid as well, close to the inside, it makes it even harder. Yeah, I, I like the run. Sure. Uh, well, can you tell us about the two-year-olds in race five? Seems like it, it, they're both above benchmark. If you if you back the uh, the, the, the tight price, even money shot at Fasol, you you just missed by a nose, and that means you lost money, of course. But uh, Salatair just picked it off. Um, seems like some nice figures here for two-year-olds. For a thousand metres, the way they moved between the eight and the four hundred was real signs that these horses have definitely got some ability. Particularly the first two horses are the ones that I'm giving the signal to for fillies. I mean, again, we just talk about 1,000 metres. If you're travelling marginally below benchmark, like those two horses were running respectively, the winner, 2.3 below. The second horse was minus 1.1. So very close to benchmark, not easy to do for 1,000. But then to have that massive move in the mid-race, again, how are so many horses appreciate dry ground, Ralphie, because they're really able to extend themselves, right? And, and it was – there it is on show. The second horse – gone from minus 1.1 to plus 6.9, entitled to weaken very, very late, and it did, but again, only marginally, like half length below benchmark for the last 200 metres for a young horse, fantastic, and the winner, well, wow, how strong was this horse? This horse is going to thrive on more ground for sure, 2.3 below first section, plus 5.2 between the eight and the four, and overall last 200 plus Point eight, yeah, I, I love that run of this horse. All right, good times going forward. Yep. We'll um, we'll be documenting them in Sizzlers. So if you want the uh, the best information through summer, uh, this is our last full type of podcast. Uh, next week we'll uh, we'll review the year and have a bit of fun there. But as far as reviewing Saturday races, this is our last one. So if you want the really good information, go to Sizzlers uh, on my website, racetrackralphie.com.au. We'll give you horses to follow, Vince's IVR reports. You can't get better information coming through the summer. Let's have a look at Ascot, Vince. Uh, the track looks like it's played fast. Uh, I'm in an absolute coma still. Billy Joel nearly got me out of it, but uh, kiss it all, <laughs> kiss on all four cheeks. Oh my goodness me! So, what happened in the uh, the big money, uh, uh, the gold rush there? So it was huge money. The pace to me didn't look to be on, but your know, figures say otherwise. Yeah, plus five point four. Yeah, good solid speed. And here was the architects, right? You have a look at what's happened. Those two horses. This is. Um, Massimo and Carlila's Karma. There you are, 5.4, 4.4. Then a little bit of a gap. Red Cam Man, 3.4. I'd say that's where the the power of the speed was. But, of course, the the importance of where you are in running off that pace was going to be critical. You definitely didn't want to be running below benchmark because it was going to be hard. Well, if, you, if you're below benchmark, you want to be marginal, right? Yep. And the astrologist... 2.6 above benchmark. That, that's a good speed for this horse over this distance. Kissing all four cheeks, bang on benchmark. Like, Ralphie, borderline where you need to be. 
we talked about it in Sydney. We got the similar scenario here. There was no rest in the mid-race. They kept the pressure on, maybe not to the same magnitude as what we've seen in Sydney, but you look at the astrologers, actually increased its pace from plus 2.6 to plus 3.5, and no doubt what gave it victory from my point of view was the fact that it was able to still hold on so strongly over the last 400 with a plus 2.3. A lot of credit, obviously, to the to the stable to have this horse so fit. The plus that it got, Ralphie, is a number of horses couldn't run to their profiles. No. And yeah, and therefore allowed a hurdle rate of just over two lengths above benchmark to get victory, and this is what also helped this horse to win. So we always say we, we, we're not on the horse. We look at the numbers. This isn't necessarily criticism, so I always like to put a little caveat there. But on the numbers there, it seems like the difference between winning or losing the kiss on all four cheeks was if uh, if Chris Parnham peels out the 600-metre mark, and I understand why he didn't, but if he does, he probably wins because it looks like there he's just had that slowdown before the turn, and in the end, he's, his last split is his best split last 200, which is always a sign that maybe he could have gone a bit earlier. For sure. And the, I'm and not this being is, critical. I'm just saying purely no, no. looking at the numbers. Yeah, and you can just look at the overall 1,200, third best of the day as well. Yep. Like it's pretty it's, it's pretty powerful in terms of what's taken place. And this and this is what happens. I mean, even you look at even like a horse like Kementari, right? Yeah. Best last 1,200 of the whole day. Just the structure. Unfortunately, you're going 1.1 length below benchmark. You're not going to be able to capitalise on, in the lanes, and we talked about that. You, you would have thought you could have got right answer these lanes, but it just didn't happen. It didn't that happen. What, and that's what happens when there's sustained speed. You're too fatigued yep. to get out there. Well, this is this is exactly right, Ralphie. That's exactly what happens. You don't have the capacity to get out there. And more to the point as well is you don't have the capability to take advantage of the lanes because you're, you're getting tired. Yeah, and you've adjusted down the because so, so afterwards I'm going. How did the astrologers be kissing all four cheeks? I'm thinking the astrologers that like I said, I met Billy George <laughs> looking down at my phone, but I thought he's a plus two, plus two and a half horse. So in the end, and I think I'm right in saying that. And in the end, you've adjusted this down six lengths and you've put him at two point three. And this is where it's ended up again. It was a track that was fast on the yep. day, and this is where we ended up. And and that's, I guess, ultimately the reason why this happened. Kissing all four cheeks, the real reason why I probably didn't get past that three range is what you touched on, Ralphie, about what's happened you know, in terms of the nature of the race shape. Now, could the, the horse have gone any quicker through the first section? Well, I guess you're in the moment. You're running at a good speed. You probably feel like everything's unfolding for you in the right way. But when there's no reprieve in the mid-race and everybody's increasing the pace, it just gets harder. I'm just looking at your IVR uh, report here and um, just another point on Kementari. Imagine if you rang James Cummings uh, race morning and he said, he's going to run 108.2. Uh, sorry, 108. So it's 0.02. So 108 dead. He's going to run 108 his last 1,200 uh, and he's going to run unplaced. He would have hung up on you. Yeah, just do it. <laughs> It's not possible. <laughs> That's the, exactly the thoughts that you would be going through your mind. And, and unfortunately, with the, the nature of the speed, again, just, you know, maybe just that little bit of speed got taken out of that battery trial. But the horse was super strong, just wasn't good enough under that sort of circumstance of the day. And there was the traction. Like the, it was really weird. Like I was looking at the, 
the post-race analysis, and I just said to myself, you just couldn't take that next step to sort of get back to those the profiles of the 2020. Like you got yourself there as it's done in the last few seasons around that two, two and a half range, and you couldn't take that next leap, unfortunately. I think he's eligible for the Magic Millions. It'd be interesting if they they, uh, fly him back over there. He's still early in his prep. I know he's a veteran, but maybe, you know, and who knows, you could get a wet track in Brisbane as well, or Gold Coast. Ralphie. <laughs> Never. <laughs> You're talking about, well, I shouldn't say that because anything's possible with the weathers. Absolutely. So um, let's have a look at this uh, this Towton Cup, the lead-in uh, to the Perth Cup. Um, if you're watching Alaska God, we go, well, honestly, we, we have to give him life. He, he's, he's odds on here. He's been beat on the quick back up from the, uh, from the big money uh, northern lead, the group one the week before. But uh, maybe we don't write him off. Well, look at this. For the <gasps> Perth Cup, I'm talking. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Like, you just felt that perhaps it was all going to happen for this horse. Now, maybe could there have been an impact off that last run still? Like, you have a look at it, 13.8 lengths below benchmark, very, very soft speed in this particular race. The horse was asked to go 11 lengths quicker than that run. And then the other part was, all right, the same movement wasn't there in the mid-race. Even just if you look on raw figures, Ralphie, Last start, it went plus 2.4. Here, it's only gone plus 0.3. That means, you know, there's not really any movement. And and then there's that last little sign, like plus 5.7. That means all the exertion was at the end. Yeah, the last 400. That's where all the exertion was for the horse. Still, well behind the run before. Now, I can understand that when you're running so much faster that you're going to have a situation where you're going to be off. But I looked at the run when I was looking at the post review at Ascot back in March of uh, this year, and there it was, like minus 2.1 first speed, very similar, and then last 400 was plus 5.4. So, okay, the horse is going every bit as good as that, Ralphie, but this is also another sign. This horse loves races with not a lot of pace. Right, that's his best uh, race structure. Yeah, I, I feel this is what I'm starting to see. Now, it can perform if you're running... Good speed, like this. This is where the I reckon this horse was at its optimum in terms of where the speed was for this horse, the transition between the eight and the four hundred, and the maximum movement. Now you get into these longer distance races, they could run very slow. Could be fantastic for the horse because the horse does have fundamentally a big sprint, but it ain't going to have it if it's asked to use a fair bit of it through the first two sections. And also three weeks between runs looks ideal after a quick backup off yes. such a big exertion. So, yeah, and, and I shouldn't underestimate Buster Bash. I mean, he's ended up with a, a fairly solid figure, plus 1.9, fourth best of the day. Yeah, a little bit. Num- when I say a surprise, I mean, the horse has got the capacity to run this type of number, whether it was going to be able to do it or not. But, geez, a lot of credit to the horse. Plus 1.9 first section, slow down between the eight and the four. Never a good thing. But finished off really strong. We're just talking about Alaskan Gold, who's going four lengths slower. Virtually couldn't run any faster than the winner. Yep, that's a sign of how well the Buster and 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 a, and a one like it was. I shouldn't say at a different level, right? But that's what it looked like opti- on the optics. And then you look at the figures and say, well, it was three lengths better than the rest of the field. And sometimes you don't want to underestimate a good winning strike rate, which no. this horse has got. <laughs> no, definitely not.
Uh, well, that concludes Perth for us. So uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. Our next uh, our next preview podcast will be the uh, the Magic Millions uh, ne- next month. So, and so what we're doing, we're launching the uh, um, the Sizzlers for the Brisbane Summer Carnival. Brisbane's oh, so Queensland, of course, I should add, because last two weeks will be the Gold Coast. So the best information for Queensland will be via Sizzlers on uh, via my website racechecralfi.com.au. All of Vince Cardi's good work from daily sectionals, of course, there uh, is what we uh, is what we analyse on a, on a weekly basis. So head to there and uh, this week we'll be launching uh, the Queensland Carnival. Sandown Vince, it looked like it played fantastic. I heard uh, Peter Moody uh, get, give it the big thumbs up. He said it's the best track in Australia. If you're not good enough, uh, you, you just can't win there. And it looks like uh, he presented the track fantastically well. We've got some really fast, slick times. Well, this is what I was going to say. Well done for Mr Moody to say that, right? I'm not saying about, you know, this is the best track in the country. I'm not going to go there, right? Yeah. But what I am going to say, it for me, it must have been a long time since I've seen figures that represent a fast track at Sandown. That's what we had, right? Particularly in the back end of the card. And therefore, you allow horses to run to their merits. Like, if you're good enough, you're not only going to run big, you're going to put down a time. And this is what we see in some of the races. I felt there was a couple of races there that were outstanding. For this time of the year, I go, wow. I hope some of these horses can get through their next stages for next year. Well, absolutely. They're going to, and uh, and we'll, we'll be highlighting that in, in Sizzlers. So, but I'll ask you about one race there, the best race of the day, and we'll uh, we'll be sending this to all our uh, members, of course, who support us. And that, that was uh, race five in the program there. And I suppose it was the best race in the day, not just on figures, but it was able to because, because um, uh, Alana Kelly uh, couldn't hold, she said, this is her words, uh, to the stewards report afterwards, Zigfield just took off on her, and uh, we had a really fast race. I loved it. Well, not that I loved it, the horse, what the horse did, right? But again, that horse was a lone leader. So whilst it created speed in the race, the real truism of it was the real pace was around that seven, seven and a half range, Ralphie. Even Black Sail, like that's a little bit faster than ideal. Could you have been more, a lot closer to like what uh, the second horse did, pounding, going plus six? But this has got to do with the track being. With speed in it, this is what happens. You can roll. Yeah. And that's what they did. I mean, I, I looked at the performance of these first two horses, and no surprise, by the way, but I was a little bit surprised about how powerful the performance was of the winner, Detonated Jack. I mean, plus 1.4 first section, 3.9 between the 8 and the 400 above benchmark, and then the last 400 plus 5.1. And really, look, the last 200 was electric. I go, wow, this horse is it, that really captivated me. Well, this uh, this is interesting because you know it's my Eustace, and they, they, you know, can they can they uh, get horses to win and keep winning? Uh, this time last year, we were talking about a horse called Marabi, and she, she ended up in, in the sprinting range, of course, going through her classes, and uh, and she ended up winning the Oakley Plate. Uh, this looks a picket fencer as well for the summer events because how, how are they going to stop a horse like this? And what's of note is his first three starts were all soft tempo races. He started favourite in the South Australian Derby. I remember doing the preview podcast with you, and he said he just hasn't got that foundation to to to, to do that. But now uh, he started with a good win at Flemington, but on soft track, it was bottomless at Ballarat. Now he's got a foundation because what have you done? You've adjusted these times down, uh, well, seven lengths. He's broken 10 lengths above benchmark raw. Yeah, well, this is it. This is, again, the big sign about how, how quick the track was. Loved it. And we get to see what the capacity of this horse is. And, and I look at it, 
And so, well, you could see from one campaign to the other, there was a significant difference in terms of like when you look at first up profiles, what it did, even when you look at compare race shape versus race shape first up on each of the prep, one was a main, the other one was at Flemington. Given the ground also, like that this campaign that first up was at Flemington on soft ground, you know, like borderline heavy, and there it was 0.7 below, like almost five lengths better than its previous campaign. But now we've got to see what it can do. Plus 2.7, we've got a, a real capable racehorse. A little bit of a slowdown between the four and the two, not not a, not a real big surprise at that track, just that when you look at the structure. But still, a little bit of a length slowdown. It's never, you know, a massive plus, but up the hill, <laughs> going plus 4.4 in the end, I was very impressed. Yeah, so that's a nice strong performance. As you said, there were other strong performances through the day. We'll be documenting that on Sizzlers. So if you would want any of Vince Cardi's work via daily sections, of course, all the race speed profiles there, my work, racetrackralphie.com.au. Next uh, Monday, we'll have a bit of a fun look back on uh, some of the highlights of, uh, of 2022. Uh, there'll be a members bonus in there, of course, because our members support the fact that each and every Monday we give the best information, independent, corporate bookmaker ad-free. Appreciate you listening to the Year Round Carnival.